Welcome to the On To Something Podcast. We've not met before. My name is Zane Witcher. This is a podcast where basically we try to help you run into what you may be onto in life, whether that's with your faith or your relationships or with whatever you want to create and do in the world. I've been away for the past 30 days on a time of spiritual renewal. So I've been doing a two-part episode of how do you do a time of renewal. And in this episode, which I'm calling an example of spiritual renewal, I'm going to basically let you in on what did I do during 30 days where I was away to reset my life in the hopes that maybe this may inspire you for creating your own type of renewal in some way, somehow, some form. So that's the goal. Let's hop into it without further ado on some podcast number 46. What did you do? This was the most frequently question I've been asked after I've been gone for 30 days for a time of spiritual renewal. Now, in my previous episode, which if you haven't heard, you need to stop, don't pass go, don't go to jail, just head directly to episode number 45, and you'll understand everything that's going on. I outlined seven principles. These were the things that I found valuable in creating a time of withdrawal. And as many of you notice and also noted, the principles are vague and they're meant to be vague. And here's why they're vague. Because principles are meant to be undefined so you can lay your personal DNA over them. So one of the things I want you to keep in mind before I go into what are the seven ways I integrated this into my own time for renewal is that I implemented these as a minister. So I just need to say from the get-go uh, what I did for 30 days, I need to fully recognize. Uh, in many ways, it's privileged. And I recognize that not everyone has this opportunity, and my job's kind of unique. Uh, so my job kind of called for a 30-day expression of extensive spiritual renewal. Because basically, my role in the community is to listen to people and to listen for people. So I had to get away for a while to actually find listening happening in my life again. So my hope is that in this process, maybe I'm going to share some ideas of what I did that can give you an idea of what it'd be like for extended Sabbath or a time of spiritual renewal. Now, let's talk about implementing these seven bad boys. Number one, preparation. There was a game plan from beginning to end. Now, notice I did not say that there was a schedule every day as much as I would have loved one. But I did generally plan where I would be each day. Now, I basically began scheduling this three months out, and I simply did it by creating a list of what I wanted this time to embody. Now, there were two guiding questions. The first one was this. What do I never have time for in my life? And the second is, what do I never make time to do with God? So after going to town on this list, I began to filter these dreams by asking, all right, which one of these is going to provide me rest and insight? And once we reached the finals, I booked the locations, the events, and the logistics ahead of time. So my baseline was two weeks prior to my time of renewal, I solidified all my plans. 
Okay, so that's everything of my Google Calendar speech that you needed to hear for preparation. That was number one. Number two, shutting off noise. I knew that the metaphorical Q-tip I needed was needing to be strong in this lane. I knew I was coming out of a time where I was exhausted of trying to consider everyone's thoughts and opinions with the past tensions and decisions. So I knew my ears needed a break in order to hear something different. And here was my overarching principle that I emphasized in the last one. If it sends a message, it needs to go for the time being. So I decided this was no email, no text messaging, any devices with notifications, no social media, no news. And yes, the most difficult part for Zane, no podcast. I know. Let's all have a moment of silence. My brain had become exhausted from microlearning. And when I'm talking about microlearning, I'm just talking about learning these small bits and pieces in the crevices of your life that, yes, are very helpful, but can also numb out your brain. There are certain boundaries we must all be intentional to not always be intaking something. You know, I'm talking about like, you know, standing in line at the grocery store or using the bathroom or driving in the car. My instinct is always to fill this space, but it's actually what led to some of the numbness that took me two weeks to actually start to feel again. I remember when I told my bosses that I was going to completely shut off all the noise. One of them said, oh my goodness, are you serious? I'm anxious for you that you would shut down your phone, which I think is a common response for us because we think we have to have it. But I would say that we hide usually behind the work that it takes to actually creatively do this for what our souls need. I think sometimes we label it impossible when it's actually possible. We just don't imagine what work it takes to actually do. So my solution to this anxiety was simply to have one family member, one good friend, and a spouse be my point of contact during this renewal. There was always a way for someone to reach me if absolutely necessary, but I let these people know what the standard was of actually reaching out and trying to get a hold of me. And the thing was, it was revealing to me that if you're proactive with your circles as you need to be before you go on this time of renewal, you will find that they actually don't need you if there is someone else like you that can help. Okay. So that was number two. Number three, uh, in no way did I shut myself off from people, but I did limit my exposure of people. I knew I needed to reach Zane at the bottom of the surface during this time. So I limited the amount of people I encountered during the 30 days to reintroduce myself to myself. So before leaving, I canceled all reoccurring hangouts and gatherings. There was no assumption that Zane would be present at anything that you could always assume Zane was at. And after a week or two of doing so, I actually only had a couple of conversations throughout the entire week. It was interesting how much time my mind had to work on my inner dialogue that influenced everything that came out of my external dialogue. It's only being able to hear the inner thoughts that you're able to identify the motivations and the roles that you think you have to play in other people's life. 
Now, at one point during renewal, I even rented a small efficiency cabin for three and a half days to truly just be by myself. And one of the greatest convictions I gained just being out, away, no humans, just me, my thoughts, and God for that time is I was able to hear everything around me. I could hear bugs underneath me all the time. I could feel and was highly sensitive to the temperature change throughout the day. People, I'm telling you, there's more at work in the world around you, and it all starts with stepping away from people. All right, next one. The body takes the lead. This principle by far was the hardest to implement. If this time of renewal was like a coloring book, my planning kind of created the hard lines for what each day would look like, but my body was the one that needed to fill in and color the space between the lines each day. So each time I spent time in prayer and I began by evaluating at the beginning of the day, what hurts, what feels heavy, what can I not feel? And then whatever I journaled, feeling out my body from my toes to my head, my schedule then reflected doing what my body actually wanted to do. Very strange experience. You know, if you were thinking like at any point in those 30 days, man, I wonder what Zane's doing at two o'clock on a Thursday. Most likely I was putting on lotion. Okay. Like this is like the body care work that I just never listened to until I took this time. And what stood out to me is that my body is the first thing I always sacrifice when trying to go in the week-to-week grind. I put off its desires, I put off its signals to fulfill what other bodies or what I think other bodies want me to do. So listening to my body for this length of time was actually helpful because I recorded and I reset what my limits are in my day-to-day grind. So that's what the body taking lead looked like. All right, next one, sounding board. So one of the most life-saving things I did was I brought in a spiritual director at the beginning of the week for each week. Now, if you've never heard of a spiritual director before, basically they are a coach for your spiritual life. Think personal trainer physically. This is a personal trainer for you spiritually. They are someone who's trained to listen to God on your behalf. And basically, at the beginning of the week, we sat down for an hour to discuss what disciplines am I engaging. They outlined for me where I'm going, and then I spent time doing everything that they told me. And then our sessions would end with my director just asking me some very pointed questions. Now, throughout the process, most of the time, I worked out these conversations while I was exercising or journaling or walking or prayer. And I started this process six months before I even went into the sabbatical. So my director knew very much the shadow sides of Zane, and he gently and slowly made me confront the not-so-great parts of myself and made me sit with them in light of who I am in Christ. Now, this process opened my eyes in the sabbatical because it isn't just the process of shutting down from everything. But sabbatical is more of shutting down parts of your life to awaken other parts of yourself that have fallen asleep. I even remember I was doing a session 
with my director. And at one point, I just got loud. And I started yelling about things. And my director stopped me and he goes, do you see how passionate you are about something that was three years ago? That's what that means to get to the bottom of the lake, to find Zane truly at the bottom. Okay, so that was the sounding board. All right, doing the opposite. Now, to be clear, I was not a monk or a hermit during this time. I did a lot of normal things, laundry, walks, time with family, exercising. The major principle I was determined to follow with this one was I wanted to spend most of my day doing the opposite of what I do with all my days. So one of the rules of this time was that I did not write or produce a single piece of content. On average, I'm writing two or three pieces per week. Another was to spend more time outside than inside. Another was to journal all of my prayers instead of saying them or typing them. All of these were little practices to help my brain get off the beaten path that it had created back and forth, back and forth, and to let it heal, no longer think predictable. It truly helped me rewire a couple parts of my brain. And the final practice I took time with was meeting with different mentors, although there were two that it just wasn't possible because of physical distance or time. But it was a chance for me to meet up with the people who helped create who I am today. Something that all, all of us know that we should do, but we never take time to do. All right, so that was number six. And number seven, my favorite, burn things up. Now, in my final last days of renewal, I felt an overwhelming sense to model outwardly what I had accomplished inwardly. So as I drained the lake of my life, I needed to physically clear the clutter that was around me. So most of the time, our outer space is reflective of our inner space. Just ask my inbox in the month of August, okay? One of the things I immediately did when I neared the end of my spiritual renewal is I basically took the most common spaces in my life. I'm talking closet, bed, home office, also known as the garage, but we'll get to that at a different late, different time. Um, I took so many spaces I was used to, and I started burning, throwing things away, and donating things to be able to clear up the space. I also digitally burned up a ton of things. One example was I cleared out all my old messages. I cleared out every podcast that I had maybe saved but I hadn't listened to and all the pictures on my phone. Don't worry, I downloaded them to somewhere else. But this was the process that I needed to re-enter the world. It was incredible how much I felt lighter when I could sort through things physically that take up all this space around me. So that was the last piece. Burned through a lot of stuff, donated a lot of stuff, trashed a lot of stuff to make everything more clear. That was burning things up. So that was the seven pieces. Now there's a lot more details within it, but you don't really care what those details are. But I will say, as we come to the end of me describing my time of renewal, I know you may be thinking one part out of all of it. And the answer is no. No, I didn't go explore an ancient tomb. I didn't go find a waterfall. I didn't go find a pot of gold. And at some point, there may be a point for me to go do this. 
But in the midst of so many transitions, what my body really asked for and needed was not travel or new terrain. It had had plenty of transitions this past year. What my soul truly needed was some words from God. And in time, I believe I received a couple. So here's a final thought that I would leave you with. If you dare to try to take your own time of renewal, I think all of us secretly hope that if we take time to journey to the top of a mountain, we're hoping that we're going to have this major revelation or hear God's voice audibly. And what's convinced me is after taking this time, those moments are incredible, and I've had some, but it's not as forming as the way that God tends to reveal God's self to us. At one point in the Old Testament, we have a story of one of God's friends, Moses, for those of you who are Bible geeks, who gets the opportunity to meet God. And the way he sees God is unique. It's less like an IMAX theater experience and more like hiding in your bedroom closet when you were little. God tells his friend to hide in a narrow crack of a mountain, or if you will, a small broken area of the mountain, and to wait for God. In the moment he sees him, he doesn't see God's face, but he only sees God's back as God walks away. It's strange, but it's how God worked, and it's also how God still works today. We desperately want to get on top of a mountain, and we want to see flashes of the face of God and hear God's voice on the top mountains of life. But the most common work of God tends to be us sitting in a quiet, small, cracked part of our life and waiting to see the back of God. Now, why the back of God? Well, because God's presence is usually most clearly seen when we're looking into our past. It's always hard to sense God in the present. It's in the past where we're able to become confident of what we were unsure of in the present. And here's the best news I want to leave you with, friend. For those of you who dare to take a time of renewal, remember, we see God's back most of the time because all the time God is on the move in front of us. God doesn't sit still. God is in motion. But the question is, are you willing to sit still enough to come to know the God that's on the move in your life? 46. That was episode 46 of the On Sump Podcast. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen through it. Uh, just hearing some Zane personal thoughts probably through that one. Uh, just know we always love feedback. We always love hearing from you. Also know that you can find a full transcript on our blog. That can be found at what? Yeah, some of you are sick of it. Onto something.com. Onto something. That is onto something with no G. Com. You can find the full transcript there. Until next time, friends, may you remember that you are autism.